This is the story of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, Kingdom Builder, Healer. He is the King of Glory. He is the resurrecting Savior. They expected a conqueror, but instead they got a servant, crucified and lifted high. And the marks on his hands left us marked for salvation. Well, good morning and welcome to Belong Church. We're so glad that you're with us. We're so glad for how our online community is building. And as an online church, we're just so happy for everyone that um, is not able to make it to church or maybe you've had some things that happened at church that you kind of stepped away and we're giving you a step back. And that's really our goal is to be a breath of fresh air for you. And for wherever you find yourself, um, if it's from meeting one of us and you know us inviting you and just, hey, just check it all out. And I talked to somebody this past week and said, hey, you know, listen, if you never ever, ever plan on believing in God, that's great. Will you be the person that kind of gives me the, the back and forth a little bit? So check in. So if you're watching right now, I just want to say thank you so much. And if there's more of you, that's great. We want to hear from every one of you, and we'll talk about that at the end. I just want to tell you that this morning, as part of the message, and what we're doing as a church, is reading through a book of the gospel for each month. And this is a, a burden that I felt on my heart um, several weeks ago. As we were going into August, we read through the book of Matthew in the month of August, and now the book of Mark through the book the ah, through the month of September, and of course next week we'll be starting this coming week actually um, the new month of October. Can you believe we're already in October? We're just standing on the threshold, ready to be there. Before you know it, it's going to be a new year. And this, of course, is when we'll be reading through the book of Luke. So there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the Gospels, which are all the different perspectives of how Jesus's life were. The rest of the New Testament is based on teaching us how to live our lives, but these four are actually teaching us how Jesus did things and the actual physical teachings of Jesus. So I just want to encourage you that you would really just plug into those and, and just see what is going on and just be able to join. And of course, we're having our message through each one of the months that corresponds with the book that we are reading. And today's the last day that we're looking at the book of Mark. And one of the great things that happens at the end, which you will see, is communion. So I wanted to give you a heads up at the beginning to be prepared for communion. So, you know, those of you that are watching from home, if you'll go ahead and get some juice, it doesn't really matter what the substance is. It doesn't need to be wine or grape juice. You can use sweet tea, you can use water, you can use whatever. It's about the symbolism that we're going to be having, of course, a piece of bread or whatever. So that is all right there for you. So this morning, we're continuing on in our study and looking at different things in the book of Mark. So if you'll open your Bibles with me to the book of Mark, chapter 6, looking at verse 54, look at this. And when they got off the boat, immediately the people recognized him. So here Jesus is going out and he's teaching and he's performing these miracles and God is just doing these amazing things through the work of Jesus and then ultimately beyond that with the work of the disciples. But at this point, this is early on and it's through the work of Jesus. And so when they landed, immediately everybody knew who Jesus was. They recognized him. And look at verse 55. And ran, out, ran about that whole country and began to carry here and there on their pallets 
those who were sick to the place that they heard he was. So the news of what Jesus is doing, remember in Luke chapter 4, he says, I've come to preach the gospel. I've come to heal the sick, and that the eyes of the blind will come open and the ears of the deaf will come unstopped. And you see, and that's what I've come here for. I've come here to be a blessing to you, the people. So as that news goes everywhere there is, everyone's like, man, we had, didn't think we had any hope for anything being different in our lives, but now let's gather up our loved one and, and everyone that is sick and let's get them to the place that they heard. They didn't even know where he was. They just heard. He's there. It's like, man, we're, gonna, we're just going to cancel work. We're going to do whatever it takes to get our loved one to Jesus. Verse 56, and wherever he entered villages or cities or the countryside, they were laying the sick in the marketplaces, and look at this, and imploring him that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak. And I highlighted that because a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the woman who pushed through the crowd who had been, uh, not abused, but she'd gone through all of the stuff, uh, all the treatments of the, the physicians and all the doctors, and they didn't really have the science like we have today. And we talked about that in great deal and how it was a really difficult time for her. And she spent all of her money and she kept putting her faith in these physicians and it kept being let down. And she said, hey, if I can just push through the crowd, and what did she do? She says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, then I know that I can be healed. And, and you remember the story. If you don't, you can go back and listen to it or watch it on our YouTube channel. Um, she was healed completely, and Jesus actually felt the virtue go out of him, and he stopped everything. But you see, the news of that occurrence, I believe, is what sparked this. So now that news went everywhere. And now they're saying, hey, if you, can not, if you don't have not to get Jesus close enough to touch you, if you can just touch the fringe of his cloak, and if you can just get to that place that you can just touch that fringe, look at this, and as many as touched it were cured. It's amazing as many as touched it. So God isn't into formulas. He's not into, hey, I did it this way, so every time it's going to be this way. But their faith, the same as that woman, was like, I'm going to get there to Jesus. And they were healed. In Mark chapter 2, this is at the very beginning of the book, we see that when he had come, verse 1, when he came back to Capernaum several days afterward, it was heard that he was home. Again, the word is spreading out. And many were gathered together so that there was no longer any room, not even near the door. Have you ever been in a meeting or whether it's church or it's a business meeting or work meeting or something and it's just cram packed and you maybe don't get there um, real early and maybe you're there a few minutes early, but there's still no seats anywhere and it's just cram packed. You're like, oh, what am I going to do? That's what was going on because the news of Jesus was spreading everywhere. Verse 2, and many were gathered together, so there was no longer any room, not even 
near the door, and he was speaking the word to them. He's telling them the word of God. Remember that we're saying that, God, we're supposed to be sowing the seed of the word. We're supposed to be selling God's word to them. That's what Jesus was doing. He was sowing the word to them. And look at this story, and I, I love this story in the Bible. Verse 3, and they, some friends, came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. So here these four men had their friend, and maybe it was a family member. We, we don't really know more than what we just read right there. But they see that, and they've heard of Jesus, and they're like, hey, if we could just get to Jesus, our friend that is paralyzed, he's a paralytic. We just have faith that maybe Jesus can do something for him. So they carried him. Uh, another thing, uh, another translation says, on a pallet. And so they're carrying him. Imagine there's this four-by-four pallet, and each friend's got some, a rope over their shoulder, and they're all they're carrying their friend. And, I mean, walking along, and he's jockeying around like, oh, oh. I mean, it's like, you imagine the trip. We don't know how far they went. But how terrible when they got there and found there was no room. Verse 4, being unable to get to him, Jesus, because of the crowd, there wasn't room. I mean, here they are carrying this pallet, and there's not any room for even a seat in this room. There's not even a place that you can get in to sit down, much less carry this pallet carried by four men. And when they saw that they couldn't get in, look at this, they removed the roof above him. And this is always the craziest story to me. One of them is certainly... Because can you imagine being in church and it's packed and no one can even get in and all of a sudden you hear all this commotion and all this noise on the roof above you. Can, can you imagine if all of a sudden you hear, you hear the sawzall, you hear the king, 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 king. I mean, you're no longer listening to Jesus. You're no longer saying, hey, what is the words coming out of his mouth? It's like, what in the world is going on? It says, and when they dug an opening... Now imagine, he's on a pallet. This isn't an opening this big. It's an opening big enough to lower the pallet down. They lowered, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And, and I've often said, you know, they, they had to go. I don't think they brought ladders with them. I don't believe they brought enough rope to drop him down that distance. I mean, even if it's this high, I mean, you've got to get higher and, and get some rope. So I think they left him there while the service is going on, and they went to Home Depot, and they said, hey, let's get all these supplies. Let's get these ladders. Shout out to Home Depot. We're going to get up there. We're going to be able to lower this man, our friend, down in the hopes that Jesus will change his life forever. And I love verse 5. It says, And seeing, Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But look at this. Jesus seeing their faith. This paralyzed man did not have the ability to demonstrate outwardly his faith. It was the faith of his friends. So when we take time and we pray for our friends and someone says, hey, I've got this situation and, and will you please pray for me? It's not a just, hey, yeah, yeah, I'll pray for you. Thoughts and prayers. You know, it's not this knee-jerk reaction. But we need to take these additional steps to say, okay, I'm going to write myself a note. I'm going to put it in my phone as a reminder to pray for my friend and to bring them to Jesus. And don't be satisfied with, oh, it didn't work out. 
I, I forgot or we didn't have time. No, you need to go those extra steps to go to Home Depot and get your ladder and get some ropes and, and take the time and the tools to rip off the roof and say, God, I'm not going to let anything stand in the way of me praying and bringing my friend to Jesus. You know, so many times there are situations and things that stand in between someone coming to know Christ. Very often there's barriers that are there and, and before you can even get them to come to church or get them to listen to a podcast or to get them to watch a YouTube message, before you can get to even tell them the Word of God, you've got to get through those barriers. Those things that would keep them from Christ. Prayer is number one. Number two, you may need to earn the right to be able to tell them that. And I know in my own personal situation that where I'm talking to people, I'm not immediately just hitting them across the head saying, hey, let me tell you about my Jesus. And I say this facetiously, but I don't wear my Jesus loves you and you're going to hell if you don't know him t-shirt everywhere. And I don't have that t-shirt, but I always say that because I think too oftentimes Christians have just always been out there saying, Jesus, 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 and, and just pushing it on everybody. Everybody's like, whoa, no. We need to remove the barriers. And sometimes that means earning the right to be able to talk to somebody. Switching gears just a little bit. It was their faith, Jesus said, seeing their faith. So what is faith? And, and we have these preconceived ideas and we have these images in our mind that are religious and, and we just have these um, just preconceived ideas. That's the best way to say it. But I often tell you what the Greek words actually mean, but I want to just take a moment to explain what the, the strong concordance is. And that's where we take as, as pastors and teachers and be able to look at those and see what's going on in the Scriptures. Of course, in the Old Testament, it was originally written in Hebrew. And while you can get a Hebrew Bible that is, you know, word for word exactly like it's there, if you know Hebrew, you can read it, and it's, it's first generation, you're reading it right then and there. When we translate it to the English versions, and you'll see at the bottom of every one of our screens, it'll tell you if it's the NIV, the NASB, the NLT. We'll tell you what version we're reading it from, but that's literally a team of people that have gone to the original words and, and looked at every single one of them and put them into this paragraph form, into this ability that we can understand in our language. And then from there, oftentimes they take the English and they'll translate it into other languages. And usually English is the first step. So sometimes it can be a one-off. It can be a little bit different than what um, it was in the English or in the original, and it gets a little bit there. But when we want to study and look back at what the literal words are, we use this concordance, and Strong's is the one that is the exact one that shows each one of the words that was originally there in the original text, and you can look at it and see exactly what that word means. And sometimes we get the exact meaning. Sometimes we get a deeper additional meaning. For example, the, the New Testament then was written in the Greek language, and they spoke Aramaic. So we've got these you know, other layers that are going on here. So then when they're writing it in Greek, they're using all these wonderful words, like the word love has five different um, meanings for it. So they'll use a different word, but each time it's translated it is love. But it means a different thing in the 
the, the original Greek. So there's the agape love where God's love is never wanting anything in return. In fact, you can't do anything in return for it. It's just self-giving that it's always giving. And then there's phileo love. That's the husband and wife love where you, you've got all this love that's there. And then there's the brotherly love. And there's all these different things. And if you don't know, you just say love, you may not have the deeper meaning. You can certainly get a surface level meaning, but we dig down deep sometimes. And, and I, I wanted to explain that today because when we see it, Jesus said, because of their faith, seeing their faith, I want us to look this morning at what is faith. So I often put the, the meanings up here, but I want to kind of explain today and take the extra minute to explain what they literally mean. So on this next screen, the word faith that was just seen there in the translation where Jesus seeing their faith, it literally means this. And I'm not even going to try and explain and try and pronounce that word. But look at this. It, it, it means literally faith or faithfulness. Well, faith means faith. Well, that really doesn't help me very much. But look at this. It is from the Greek word. See how this one is Greek number 4102. It's from the Greek word 3982. In the next screen, we see what 3982 it means, and it literally means to persuade or to have confidence. To persuade or to have confidence. And, and I mentioned this in passing a few weeks ago in the message. And when we have faith, it isn't literally just this um, ethereal thing, this thing that's in the clouds. is like oxygen I can't see. No, it is literally this being persuaded or to have a confidence in. And how do we do that? And Hebrews 11 says this, now faith, now faith, it's right now faith is the assurance of, or the convictions is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. We have a screen for that too. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So faith, the, the being sure and being persuaded to have confidence. Now when you have confidence, in order to have confidence, here's the definition. It is the assurance of things you hope for. So those guys, those four guys carrying their friend to Jesus on the pallet that they took off work, they took the time to, to get him in this mobile transportation mode, to carry him there, they have an assurance and they have a hope for that Jesus is going to touch their friend and he's going to be healed. It is also a conviction of things not yet seen. I, I'm hoping that th when I'm carrying him there, he's going to walk back with me. But you see, now faith, this thing that we have right here and now, or using it as a preposition, now it's like, okay, now I'm going to tell you what this is about. Faith is this. This is the definition, but when we see what the word literally means, it is this persuasion, this confidence. So my confidence now is the assurance of things that I'm hoping for. Look at verse 2. It says, For by it, faith, the men of old gained approval. They didn't have the teachings that we have. They certainly didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have most of the Old Testament. But by faith, by this assurance, by this trusting in, this confidence and being persuaded that God has done it, this is where they gained their approval. In verse 3, by faith, 
by this confidence, by this being persuaded, we now understand that the worlds were prepared by the Word of God. So the Word of God that is sown, where God says, let there be, and there was. God says, let there be light, and all of a sudden there was light. Let the night be separate from the night, and the, all of a sudden it's day and night. Now we still, this many thousands of years later, are experiencing day and night. And let the waters recede, and let there be land that's separate from it. And woof, there it is. And we're walking on dry ground today, and then we can go over to the beach and, and visit the ocean. See, the Word of God that came through, but look at the second part of that. So that what is seen was not made of things which were visible. When God spoke it out, it wasn't there yet. When God spoke it out, it wasn't there yet. So that which is seen was not made out of it. So we're not taking things we can see and propping it all up and go, oh yeah, okay, so I see that. No, faith is this confidence or this being persuaded that God is well able. Now with that definition in mind, look with me to Matthew chapter 17. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, and we looked at this scripture again several weeks ago, why could we not drive out this demonic spirit? In verse 20, Jesus said to them, because of the littleness of your faith. And that word faith is a different word faith in the Greek words, in the Greek language than what the one we just looked at. And this one looks, literally means the smallness that your mind can't perceive. You've got so much smallness in your confidence, so much smallness in your being persuaded that you can't even do it. It's like you're, you're limiting yourself. He goes on to say, for I truly say to you, if you have faith, now this is the same word we just looked at, if you have confidence, the size of a mustard seed. Now pause, time out here for a second. Look at the paradox. Jesus was just saying, because of the littleness, because you can't have any confidence, it's so minus, minuscule and you can't do anything with it. But if you do have the size of a mustard seed, which was the smallest seed there ever was, you will say to this mountain, but can I suggest you that seed was not meant to just do something in that seed form where it's so tiny, but that seed is, what did we look at at the beginning of this month in the book of Mark? That seed was to be sowed. That seed was to be planted, and then that, that seed grows into this mustard tree that is ginormous, and it's not easily moved. And Jesus went on to say, move it from here, and it will be moved. Or move it, and nothing will be impossible to you. Once you get this understanding that you don't minimize the, about the amount of you being persuaded, you don't minimize the confidence you have in God and who he is and what he's able to do. Verse 21, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So when we are praying for our friends, when we're praying for our loved ones, and we're saying, hey, God, we're standing in the gap, and we're, we're putting that pallet, in, uh, our friend on that pallet, and we're throwing the rope over our shoulders, and we're going to do the heavy work. Hey, we're going to go, and we're going to do the prayer, and we're going to do the fasting, and we're going to make the work be put in so we can see the glory of God come to pass. 
Remember also a couple of weeks ago, I feel like we've hit a lot of these stories all in a row, so I keep saying remember a couple of weeks ago. But we saw the story that Jesus went to get a, a fig, the fruit fig, off of the fig tree, and it, it wasn't there, and it looked like it was good, but it wasn't, and Jesus got upset, and he cursed it. And the next morning as they, as they went by, it was already withered. Well, here's another version of that in Mark chapter 11, verse 20. So as they were passing by in the morning, so this happened the night before. As they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Now imagine that. Everything that typically happens from a, a plant, you'll see it, it start withering out here, and then it'll work its way down to the roots. And sometimes the bottom looks pretty good, but all, you can see on the, on the limbs. But this one, it withered from the roots up because the word of Jesus saying, be withered and curse that thing because it was not producing what it was supposed to. Verse 21, being reminded, Peter saw and goes, oh, I remember. Peter said to him, Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. Well, Peter, what did you think the, the fig tree was that Jesus cursed was going to happen to it? Did you think it's going to live a long and prosperous life? Did you think it was going to turn out okay when Jesus, the Son of God, curses it and tells it to wither what do you think is going to happen yet peter is astonished and look at this verse 22 and jesus answered saying to them same word now have faith in god so can i take that literal translation in there have confidence in god be persuaded that when god says something it's going to come to pass. And look, he says it again in verse 23. For truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Your confidence and your being persuaded that God wants us to pray over this thing, and we're going to pray and believe in my confidence that God wants this to happen, and it's going to happen, and it's going to be granted to him. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, all things... For which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted. It doesn't say how they'll be granted. It doesn't say when they'll be granted. It doesn't say you're going to get what you want, and God is not a genie in a bottle that you can rub it and say your three wishes, and out, out pops everything you want. No, we say and we pray and ask God and believe in these situations, and he answers. But look at verse 25. It's funny. It's not a new chapter even it's a continuation but oftentimes we get stumbled over whenever you stand praying so he's continuing the thought forgive wow if you have anything against anyone so that your father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions so can I tell you that when we're asking and believing if we have unforgiveness, it's going to block that prayer. So sometimes, not saying in every situation, but sometimes, according to the Word of God, sometimes when we're praying over something and we're even fasting and we're praying and we're doing all the right things and we're quoting the Scripture saying, God, you said whatever, and I'm going to pray and I'm believing and it's got to happen. I'm going to say to that mountain and it's going to move. And sometimes when we don't see anything happen, it's because there's something called forgiveness or the lack thereof 
that's in our life that's blocking that from happening. Verse 26 says, For if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive you. That's amazing. It's all intertwined. It's all enveloped into each other. Hearing the Word of God, speaking the Word of God, forgiving. We can't hold any unforgiveness. We can't hold anyone in the saying of, you hurt me too many times. Moving on. In Romans chapter 10, verse 16. This is talking about the good news of telling the gospel of, of, of who Jesus is and how he loves you and how he does it. he's not an angry God up in heaven. He's not ready to throw lightning bolts at you. The water's not going to boil when you come into church. That the ground isn't going to separate when you try and, and get right with God. He goes, oh, you're too far gone. That's the good news that is there. Look at this. However, they all did not heed the good news. Everybody that you give this good news to, this word that you're proclaiming, isn't always going to receive it. And again, we see that in the first two services of this month. We talked about the sower and the seed, and sometimes the seed, it gets on ground that is just so hardened it's not going to do anything, and, and it just goes away. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? And what's our report? This is talking specifically about Accepting Christ, the good news of the gospel, the good news that Jesus came to pay for our sins so I don't have to. The good news is I don't have to worry about living my life perfect because I can't live my life perfect. And every time I want to do that, I fall miserably. And, and as Paul said in another place, and we've looked at all of these things recently, but to recap them, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I know I shouldn't do, those are the things I find myself doing. Who is going to hear this report that, Jesus, you're amazing? Look at the next verse. Verse 17. So faith. What does faith have to do with someone hearing about Jesus? What does faith have to do with, Lord, who has heard our report? What does faith have to do with living a Christian life, accepting Jesus? So faith, or being persuaded, it's the same word again, being persuaded or to have this confidence, it comes, where's it going to come from? Hey, if I need faith, and if this is something I need in my life, and this is part of me hearing the word of God and, and letting it change my life, well, I need to know how I get it. Well, that faith, that confidence, that persuasion comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Why do we always tell you to read your Bible? Why aren't we saying to read through the gospel? Because we all need to know exactly what Jesus said. Not stories about what somebody told you. No matter how great they are in telling you the stories, read it for yourself. Listen to it on a podcast like I'm doing. Listen to, and we've got it up on our website. You can click on it and see which version of it. It's in iTunes, and it's in the book section, and you can get it and just listen to it as you're driving down the road, as you're in the shower, and just hear the word of Christ. See, because that being persuaded, that confidence comes from hearing. And the only way you're going to hear and what you need to hear 
is the word of Christ. See, hearing somebody's bad report, hearing someone's unbelief, hearing someone's lack of faith, hearing someone say, oh, this isn't going to work out. Oh, I'm just going to die. This is going to kill me. Hearing all of those bad things are not going to produce a confidence in God. That only is produced by hearing. And I, I would suggest to you from hearing messages like this, listening to other messages where they're trying to tell you what the Word of God, and then literally by hearing the Word of Christ. We need to be completely consumed with hearing the Word of Christ. That what He is saying becomes everything that is changing and shaping, get this, my persuasion, that is changing and shaping my confidence. See, because if I have confidence in myself, that's not going to last very long. And it'll only go so far. But when my confidence is in him, he says, we just read it, all things are possible with God. Even to the point of using your faith, your confidence, your persuasion to pray and see God move mountains. As we close this service, one of the great things that happened in Mark in the book of Mark is at the end, in Mark chapter 14. And Jesus is making this transition between Passover, and he told them, hey, we're going to celebrate Passover together. And they've been celebrating the Passover since Moses. This was not anything out of the norm for them. This was what they did every year from the birth all the way through, and it's just been passed down from generation. Even today is still being observed so jesus is having this passover meal and in the midst of that he changes it all up now jesus was 33 years old at this point so i want to challenge you and suggest to you for 32 times he's taken passover just like it was for everybody else and all the disciples that are with them, they've experienced Passover so many times when he said, hey, go and prepare this. They knew exactly what to do. This time was different. In verse 22. And while they were eating, so they're in the middle of having this Passover meal. He, Jesus, took some bread and after a blessing, he broke it. Now he's breaking the tradition here. So he took that bread and he broke it. And he said, and he gave it to them, and he said, Take, eat. This is my body. At the beginning of this message, I, I encourage you to get to be prepared for taking communion. So if you have that, we're, we're passing it out to everyone that's here with us as well. And I'm prepared. I've got my, my piece of bread here. I want you to just take that and hold that piece of bread. Because just as the physical object in our hands is bread. It's the same physical object he put in their hands. He just took some bread and he blessed it. And then he said, take and receive this as my body. So Father, we take this bread. And Father, we bless this bread and while we don't believe it turns into the physical, actual body of Christ, 
Lord, we recognize the semblance. We recognize the faith, the being persuaded, the confidence that's necessary for us to live our lives according to your word. And that comes from hearing your word and hearing the word of Christ. Lord, we bless this bread. And we obey your word when you said to take this. Receive the bread. Continuing on, verse 23. And when he'd taken the cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And I guarantee you, every eye is now on Jesus. This isn't normal. This isn't regular Passover. So he lifts it up. He says, Father, I give this to you. I bless this cup. I'm giving you thanks. Notice he gave thanks for what was about to happen to him. Even in the terrible crucifixion and everything that he knew he was about to face, Jesus gave thanks. So in the midst of my struggles, in the midst of my difficulties, I can raise this cup and say, Father, I give you thanks. Verse 24, and he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. And I love it wasn't just poured out for the disciples. It wasn't just poured out for the 70. I'm included in many, and so are you. Receive the cup. Verse 25 says, Truly I say to you, I, Jesus, will never drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, this is the last time I'm going to participate in communion until we're all together in heaven. We're doing it every time we get together. Another, translate, another place in the Bible says to do it as often as you get together as a reminder of what Jesus did, as a reminder of these scriptures we just read. But Jesus himself is withholding communion until we are all up there together. So my question for you today is this. Where do you find yourself right now? Where do you find yourself right now? Please bow your heads. We've discussed faith. This morning we've looked at really in depth into faith and the confidence that's there and the being persuaded. The very first step is in trusting God. See, you don't have to understand it all. It's not about joining a church. In fact, G Billy Graham is in a famous sermon. He told the story about having faith and the trust in a chair. And as he's, he's reaching this point in the sermon, he says, many of you are sitting in a chair, but you didn't come in and check out the chair and go, well, I don't know if it's physically going to hold me. Let me see if this can hold the weight that I'm going to put into it. And let's see if those legs are sturdy. 
See, there are just some confidences. There are some trusts that we just step out in. I don't have to understand how an airplane works to sit in that seat and fly from point A to point B. Thankfully, I don't have to know how my car works to get in and drive from my job or to get from this place to another. See, taking the first step with Jesus isn't anything that you also have to understand and know everything. And the great news is you don't even have to take that first step because God already took the first step towards you by sending his son Jesus. Today I'm simply inviting you to accept the free gift. I love how in the Country Baptist Church where I was raised, they said the free will gift of God of salvation. And today, surrender your life to a loving God. Remember I said he's not up there with his fingers shaking down at you. He's not angry-faced emoji. He's not ready to throw a lightning bolt at you. He's up there with his arms extended saying, I love you. He's a loving God. So if that's you today, I just want to ask you to please pray this prayer with me. Say these words. Say, God in heaven, I want to know you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus for paying for my sins so I don't have to. Today I take this step of faith. I place my confidence in you. And I ask you to forgive me for making mistakes. I choose you. I surrender everything to you. I encourage you to just take your hands right now and just like put them in front of you and just raise them up to heaven. I surrender everything to you. Be the Lord of my life. Be number one. And the best way I know how, I'm going to serve you with all my heart. Today, I give you my life. Father, I just thank you for everyone that prayed that prayer for the very first time or maybe they prayed that prayer before and they've strayed off and Lord, they, they're not where they need to be and they know that. So when I ask the question, are you where, are you where are you today? Where do you find yourself today? They recognize that they're far from you, but they've said that prayer and they're right back there in good, right standing with you. Thank you, God, for that opportunity. Father, I thank you that we, for the first time, or maybe many times of coming to you, can let our persuasions and our confidences be shifted from those things of the world, those things of the earth, to you. That we will have the faith in God. We'll have the now faith. That we'll be persuaded that what we see isn't what we're going to walk by, but we're going to move and we're going to walk in the direction of your word. We're going to trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If that's you this morning, if that's you today, no matter what it is, whenever you're hearing this message, 
And I, I often think that there's many years from now someone's going to find our channel and listen to some of these. And as you find yourself there, this may have been years past from the time we recorded this. We still want to hear from you, whether it's right today or whether it's many months or years from now. If you will, simply text the word NEXT, N-E-X-T, to 469 289-1114. And it's at the bottom of your screen for those watching. And for those who are listening on the podcast, it's text the word next to 469-289-1114. And that, that's our text communication system so we can communicate back and forth with you. And we're so happy to be there for you and to be able to share with you your next steps should you like to take them. Second of all, we'd like to ask you to tell us what's going on in your life. Tell us your testimony. And, and I hear so many during the week, but it never gets tiring. I love hearing what God is doing in everyone's life. So shoot us an email to prayer or info at belongdfw.com. And prayer requests can come to prayer at, be, at belongdfw.com. And lastly, I want to encourage you to invite somebody to be a part of this and, and ask one person this week to join in and to, to listen to the podcast and watch the YouTube channel. Maybe you need to go to the top of this and, and grab that URL and send it to somebody in a text or an email and say, hey, I want you to listen to this and hey, let's listen to this and let's get together and talk about it. And as we close, for those who are committed to supporting us financially and being a part of the financial success of this ministry, I just want to say thank you. And, and if you want to be a participant in that, at the bottom of your screen, you simply go to givetobelong.com. It's very, very simple. It, it's the first time you do it, it's going to have some, some little hoops that you go through. It just you got to put your information in, and it stores it all, and it's all secure. It's all safe. It's all got the top level of security with everything, so you don't need to worry about that. And then there's also a text to give option that you'll see at the bottom of your screen as well. And right now, I'm actually believing for 30 people who are going to go above their tithes and their offerings, who are going to be a part of the core. And if you go into the givetobelong.com, one of the pull-down options is tithes and offerings and special offering and missions. And one at the bottom is the core. And that is the people that will say, hey, I'm going to give $100 a month to help be the core of what is, is necessary for this church to succeed. And we've already had three people sign up. So I, I just want to encourage you, this is the first time I'm telling anybody about it publicly, so I'm just encouraging you, if that's you and you want to be a part of that, you don't have to just do 100. You can do less. You can do more. You can do whatever. But we're specifically looking for 30 people who will do $100 a month. And you can do it as a recurring gift. It's do this every month, and it, you can see what day of the month you want it to go on. If you want it to go on the 15th of every month, the 16th of every month, you just simply make those choices. Well, let's stand together and let's pray and be dismissed. Father, I'm persuaded, and I have great confidence in you. Lord, I thank you for the faith that you've given us. And Lord, that we can hear your word, and Lord, we can take action on it. And Lord, we can be so encouraged by your words. That, Lord, we can see the miracles that you did in just the same way as we saw when we opened up the, the word of your miracles and the word of your, your testimony going out everywhere is now causing everybody to come out. Lord, we can have that same confidence. We can have that same persuasion that we can bring our friends to you. 
and you have the answers. Lord, we give you all the glory and all the honor. Father, I speak a blessing over everyone who texted next. For everyone who is the first time and they're, they're being a part of us. And Lord, for those people that have paid their tithes and their offerings and those people who have chosen to be a part of the core this week, I speak a blessing on them, Father God. We give you all the glory and all the honor. We place our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray.